Welcome to ReChurch. I'm Marshall Fant, the Director of Church Consulting and Strategic Planning for Gospel Fellowship Association Missions. My purpose is to encourage pastors and church leaders as you refocus, renew, and revitalize your churches. We've established this podcast to offer practical tips and suggestions as you equip disciples to make disciples. This is Marshall Fant. Welcome back to the next episode, the next season of GFA Missions ReChurch. Bruce McAllister, so glad to have you with us. Thank you. So this is our number, this is podcast number 98. Wow. So this is. What are we going to do when we get to 100? We're going to have a celebration. Okay. All right. So uh, again, you can see our podcast room has been updated. I really want to thank the GFA staff and especially Sarah Hartwig and Liz West for the great work they did in redoing this and uh, really taking this to the next level. So thank them so much. And what we want to do is we introduce our next season, a topic that is of discussion regularly is church finances. And as you know, uh, Bruce McAllister is the director of ministry relations with GFA and Bruce ministers to American churches. And he taught uh, everything about the church for how many years, Bruce? Oh, Long toward, time. toward 35, 40 years, wow. so, depending on college or seminary, whatever. So, yeah. So when we get into the idea of finances, uh, I've just entitled this four ways to change the way you think about church finances. Okay. So I just want to cover four points of some things that I have observed in churches that maybe if we did some um, rephrasing, it may help to cast a better vision with finances. And we are, number one, for churches that do have a budget, we're thankful. So if your church does not have a budget, we recommend you getting on a budget and letting the church approve the budget, and that's the first step with finances. But really beyond that's where we're trying to go. So, Bruce, I want to discuss first the – I like the term financial plan. Okay. Okay. So um, in the financial plan versus a budget, I like the idea because the financial plan kind of shows where the church is going. All right. But first, let's back up to the budget. So you've taught this. So what? how, how would you take – I know you you had a whole section on the purpose with your, of your yeah. budget. So yeah. let's talk about that in just a few minutes. Well, if you just look at – a budget as a tool for empowering the accomplishment of the church's mission. That, mm-hmm. that helps a lot. In other words, it's, it's not just saying, this is how much we spent last year. This is how much we can spend this year. So we just lock down. We have our little budget set up and, and you just, okay, so now we've approved the budget. Let's go on with life. It, you're, you're actually viewing in your, your terminology, financial plan, if I understand yep. correctly, and we'll talk about the nuances of this. You're not saying, throw your budget out. You're just saying no. view it differently, Yes. reframe it, and, yes. and talk to us about that in terms of like what you've done in your past ministries and what you encourage churches to do. All right, so the way you said the purpose of the budget, okay, I think that that's what I'm trying to say, where a lot of churches, they view a budget, and it's just, it's just a gauge, okay, this is what we spent last year, all right, we've grown a little bit, so let's just spend a little more without really thinking, okay, what are we funding here? And is it really casting a vision with a purpose on what we're trying to accomplish? Whereas I think I've, I've even heard it said, oh, let's increase the budget so people will give more. Mm-hmm. Where what I'm trying to say is, all right, like you said, with the purpose. So let's, if we use the term financial plan, the reason I like the term financial plan is it really, it really tells you where the ministry is going and where they want to invest their money. 
versus simply, okay, this is the budget last year, and we, we did well because we met the budget. But did we really accomplish, as you said, our mission so, through our so finances? So what, what's assumed in that, in what you just said to me, is that you as a pastor are taking the lead in communicating vision, your church's mission, where you're going, what you're trying to accomplish. So, you, I mean, if you're not doing that, you can't really take the finances and turn it that direction, right? No, so correct. it assumes that you're doing a good bit of vision casting, period. It is. And I'm saying the word financial plan gives you, a, it's a better term to use as vision casting okay. than simply a budget. And, and, and another thing I may want to say on that, that I know of one church that take, and they call it a financial plan, and they zero out every category every year. Mm-hmm. And say, okay, so this is what we're trying to accomplish in 2022. And so how does this financial plan accomplish it? So instead of always funding the same category yeah. with a financial plan, you're going back and saying, is this accomplishing our ministry vision? That's good. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think they call that zero-based budgeting, and it's a little hard to do it every year. Right. And you don't want to give them people pressure that you're going to wipe out staff, you know, because no. of that. But you no. might take a, a a man who's been doing administrative work, but he's more gifted with discipleship or evangelism right. and say, okay, so we're going to take 50% of your salary. Let's say he makes $50,000 or 40000 or sixty, whatever, take half of the priority of his salary and say, we're mm. going to put that on evangelism. Exactly. And so you have, you're accomplishing a vision now, not just paying a salary. Exactly. Is that right? And that's part of the ministry plan financial plan. Another reason I like the financial plan versus a budget is this. Um, and again, a lot of this I learned from a deacon that challenged me. Okay. All right. Um, with a financial plan, I think you can establish almost like three categories within the plan. A sunny day, a sunny day plan, which is everything's going according to schedule. Like we said, a cloudy day. Okay. Like when COVID hit, we really did not know. Churches didn't know. Okay. Is our, de- is our money going to increase? Is it going to decrease? Or even what some would call a blessings plan. So really, if you come to the table with a cloudy day, sunny day, and a blessings or whatever you want to call it in a financial plan, you then can adjust your financial plan to the conditions of the church. And again, but it's all already planned out. So so just from an ethical standpoint, you know, an annual church mm-hmm. budget, can, mm-hmm. it can be revised mid-year if need be or sure. you know it, it's a it's flexible in the sense you can call a special meeting and right. ask for an expenditure or something like mm-hmm. that from the congregation you have churches have <clears throat> kind of rules the pastor can spend up to this much money right. outside the budget a month perhaps or the deacons and the pastor together mm-hmm. can spend more money sure. you know like a lawnmower breaks down you got to spend 3000 or whatever for a nice riding lawnmower for a large sure. piece of property. So you have that kind of flexibility built in. But if if suddenly we're going to re-roof the church and it's a it's a huge project financially, then naturally you come back and you right. have a bigger conversation with the church and get that authorization. So uh, so we're not you're not suggesting we move outside our normal ethics. No. Just and call it a financial no. plan meaning the pastor can do what he wants to no. do. You don't mean it that way at all. No. Uh, all this must carry congregational approval. Okay. At least in our world yeah. where most of the churches that we minister to are congregational approval. But what I would say is in your financial plan, you know you got a roof to be replaced in the next 5 years. So let's put that as far as the plan 
And so when it comes there, you have the money. That's right. So okay. you have a capital fund and you're Absolutely. putting so much money a month into the capital fund. So it's not an emergency when it happens. All right. So let's, let's say that, uh, let's say if you had a man come to you in your church mm-hmm. that you pastored, and I think this happened and, and said, well, what would you do if you had another exactly. 25 or $50,000? Yep. Now, when somebody comes up to you and says that, you're like, uh, well, are you being for real or are <laughs> yeah, you just yeah. being theoretical? Yeah. But what would you, how, how does that yeah. work? All right. So that gets into my second point. Okay. All right. So I, I'd say the th- second thing you do is really cast a vision with your financial plan of specific areas of what you would do with additional money. And what Bruce described was a, was an actual case that changed my thinking. A very godly deacon came and said, what would you do if God gave us an additional 10000 25,000, I think these are his numbers, 50,000, 100,000, and 250,000. What would you do? I said, I never thought about it. And he said, okay, can I challenge you to put together specifics that we have our regular financial plan, but God brings in additional 5,000 or 10,000 or 20,000. The people need to know what your burden would be and then, of course, then the congregation is going to prove that, right? And the leadership. And the leadership, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, this is not the pastor going rogue. Right. But this is simply casting a vision yeah. on specifics. Exact, so if, if we had another $50,000, this is the way to fulfill the mission of what our church has been called to do. This is our vision with that 50000 specifically how we would invest that $50,000 in ministry. And if, if you downsize that, t- say to your own household, you and, sure. your, you and your yeah. wife, yeah. if somebody said, you know, if you were having a conversation, said if we had an extra $20,000, what mm-hmm. would we do with that? Mm-hmm. And and you you might say, well, let's go to Europe or let's go to the, let's go to the Holy Land or Actually, we need some, she'd probably say, we need some new kitchen countertops yeah. or, you know, yeah. we need some new appliances or yeah. let's build whatever, or let's create a hospitality nook right. in our home that will help us to be able to entertain people better. Right. You know, there's Absolutely. those kind of things. So. And, and so what happened? So the result of this, of what we saw was this, Bruce. So we had never, I think somewhere in the past, we maybe had gotten a large gift mm-hmm. through a, um, a death in the church. Mm-hmm. But when we started doing this, we had two specific examples that I want to bring up. Number one, all right, so I started in, in the, with the annual financial plan presentation. I would say if we had another 10, another 50, and did like our, our deacon recommended, we had a lady in the church, and she had been single all her life. She was in her 90s. And before she went to nursing home, she ate frozen dinners every night. I mean, she was very frugal in everything she did, and she passed away. But when she was an active member of the church, she would go through every financial statement. Mm -hmm. So she was very savvy, and she wanted to know about this financial plan. I told her she left the church $125,000. And I think a lot of that was, as you look back, I'm convinced a lot of that was she knew we had a plan for the money. Um, a short time later, a couple in the church died, and they left the church $250,000. And, Bruce, what I'm saying is people, as they think about end-of-life giving, and they know that your church has a, a, a vision, specifically that money's just not going to go and sit idle, but they're going to invest that money in ministry, I think it, it makes people think on the eternal side 
of end-of-life giving. And I know you have dealt with some churches in this. And what I mean by end-of-life giving is prepared sure. giving yeah. when someone dies. Now, and I, I would encourage uh, pastors and church leaders to consider having a financial planner, hopefully a like-minded person who has no personal interest in uh, his own financial improvement from this, but who can serve either let him speak generally to us, you know, adult Sunday school class or special weekend seminar mm-hmm. or, or, uh, and actually some of these people will sit down then and have personal private meetings with various people in the church. Got to be real careful about how this all takes. Yeah. This is a, a delicate field of sensitivity for some people in a church. It, you know, you'd have to prepare your church for it. But actually, um, can I say this in a hopefully appropriate way, is that you never know who has uh, unusual resources. You just never know. Right. It can totally shock you. And so there may well be people in your congregation or related somehow to your congregation that would be um, thrilled to set up their estate, a trust, a portion of their will, 10%. I think, I mean, I remember hearing when I was newly married, you should consider giving 10% of mm-hmm. your estate to the Lord. You know, that made sense to sure. my wife and me. And we sure. we set that up very early in marriage when mm-hmm. if we, they'd have probably gotten $10 from us, you know, <laughs> if, if, uh, if we'd have died at that point. So uh, there are things like that. You can plant seeds and yeah. it, it bears fruit. And uh, people that know that field know exactly what I'm talking about. Sure. And um, and I would, I would. This is a little different angle, but I would encourage um, business people, particularly who have done well, or maybe you know somebody who's done well in business, to to consider setting up a foundation to fund the work of yeah, God. Uh, exactly. I, I, there was a foundation set up years ago by a sheet metal operator. He, I think he lived modestly. Uh, he accumulated a hundred million dollars mm. in a fund. And uh, it, it and it had to distribute six million dollars a year. Mm. That's off my radar today, but I I was aware of that, and I helped connect churches mm. that were doing building programs with that that fund back in the day. So you just never know. And but the point is, the pastor is the under shepherd. He's got to cast a spiritual vision with the other leadership in the church. So I'm I'm just I'm just, so to to circle back to that. You've got to use your financial plan to cast this kind of vision. So those who are looking to invest their money for the Lord, I think it was John Wesley who said, cash runs the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. So those that want to invest in what God has called your local church to do, you've got to cash the vision of an additional ten, twenty, fifty, hundred thousand dollars of what you would do. All right. So let's let's say let's say your church is working off a January to December fiscal year. Right. All right. And then here comes May, June, mm-hmm. and either you, you you come into some money, you tips to more money than normal, or your church is growing, you've added 25, 50 people, mm-hmm. now your your income is up. All right, how, how are you going to adjust that midstream? How would you cons- suggest a pastor um, make those mid-year adjustments to yeah. accomplish the vision? I, I would say be very careful not to react to a one-month trend. You know, the way our financial guys at our church always says a quarter, take a quarter, look at it a quarter by quarter versus month by month, and then really year by year. So you kind of see, is this trend, is it just, is it simply a small spike or a small dip? 
or is this trend continuing? And so I would be very careful to adjust that until you see that that is where it is definitely going to continue. Okay. So if you had a, let's say you have a church of 150 and at the end of the year you had an unexpected surplus, unusual giving, something like, and some churches experienced this during COVID. I heard a lot of churches very well financially during Mm -hmm. COVID, oddly enough. And so, uh, so you had a surplus. Let's say you had a little small size, mid-sized church. You had 50,000 50, you hadn't anticipated. Right. What would you do with that in terms of uh, your vision casting and yeah. your, what we're talking about? I would recommend the pastor go back to the, what he had cast the vision and go to his leadership and say, okay, have things changed? Because when we did this, the conditions may have changed some. Now, we, let's just say a missionary's need has come up that you, we're now aware of that we weren't aware of when we did the you know, the vision casting. So I would reassess that and make sure you stay within your philosophy of ministry, your philosophy of giving, and then go from there. Get the authorization from oh, the off, leadership, church yes. membership. To let's let's And you follow your constitution to say how much the, the church has the authority or how much a person has the authority to spend. Because I think what I have found is the more you get the congregation involved in this, when you cast the vision, they give to the vision, and they want to be able to cast a vote said, yes, we approve that and celebrate that time. It's a great day when you do yeah. that. And, and you know, Marsh, I, I know you personally, your wife, you're evangelistic, you're discipleship-oriented, you're, you're, a, you're a head counter, you're a very engaged pastor. You've pastored 20, 21 years or so down in Rock Hill. You took that mm-hmm. church through three, I think it's three building programs, including the first building program of that yeah. church. So it was really a church plant, replant, yeah. but it was a church plant. And it grew, it grew steadily and significantly over the years. And so you, you, I've seen firsthand, you know, what God has done through your type of leadership. And I, you know, would commend you for that. And, and it's good that you can pass these ideas along. I see it here in what God's used you to do at GFA. You've been here a few years. I, you were here a year or two before I came on board full time. And we're actually sitting in a room <laughs> yeah. that used to be a, a very cluttered, storage closet for GFA. It had old uh, balls and hula hoops and uh, stuff from kids' games. It had all kind of old literature in it. And so, you know, to me, it was just a junk room. And it didn't occur to me this could be used for anything. And Marsh, uh, probably a few others said, you know, this could be a a broadcast room for GFA. And, yeah. and now it's been enhanced again yeah. with additional lighting, decor. Yeah. Yeah. I taught a course for Maranatha from this classroom live to yeah. eight guys in a D-men program. Uh, All over the last world. Last fall. Well, yeah. yeah. And yeah. so yeah. you just never know what can yeah. be done. And, but, but this thing, I don't know if this costs 25000 to do or no. I don't know what it costs, but you, somebody Most knows. But, but you, it's, I think you helped to find the funds to yeah, see this come around. And so, uh, and this is what leadership does. Leadership yeah. is thinking proactively. So just think of the multiplied benefit. I don't know if anybody's listening to this podcast, by the way, <laughs> but, but if anybody's listening to this podcast, you just, you can think about what you could be doing exactly. in a closet in your church that could be turned into a much better purpose, uh, uh, you know, for the, for the kingdom and glory of God. So, yeah. Now let me say this. The topic of this podcast was not original with me. It came from a deacon in our church. So I want to challenge pastors. When you see giftedness in your church of men that God has truly wired and gifted, let them exercise those gifts 
Because everything we're talking about this morning did not come from me. It did not come from seminary. Mm-hmm. It came from a deacon in our church. Amen. All right, so number three, let's move on quickly. we got two more. Uh, Bruce, I, I think, you know, you must, you know, again, four ways to think about how you must think about your church finances. Number three would be you've got to provide regular detailed financial reports, not maybe penny by penny, but $100 by $100, okay, or, or yeah. whatever. You want to comment on, on that building integrity in the church? Yeah, I mean, tr- trust is actually the basis of human relationships. Yeah. Uh, you can make yourself love someone, but you can't actually, I, I think I'm right about this, you can't make yourself trust someone. If uh-huh. trust is not there, it, it's going to mess up the relationship. So in the area of money, there must be, uh, there must be integrity. There must be accountability. There must be, I mean, somebody's got to do a detailed report and right. that should be available to the, I think, to the membership of the church yes. normally, um, at least to the leadership of the church. You know, in, in our church, we do a quarterly uh, business meeting sure. and it's so detailed. It's just like over the top detailed. And I don't think you have to do it at that level, but it still builds trust. Yeah, so I think really there could be two levels. It could be the over the top detail because every church you got the accountants and you got the people that want to know. But also, I know many times in a business meeting, people sit there with a the deer in the headlight mm-hmm. look because yeah. they can't understand what you're saying, but yet it was their tithes and offerings yeah. that allowed that ministry to be accomplished. So my challenge is do the detail work but also present it in a way the average you know non-accountant can understand how their tithes and offerings are being used does that make sense that, that makes a lot of sense you got other comments and, on well, that well i just think that i think you've talked about this before that that actually evangelism itself local evangelism is oftentimes the greatest area of neglect yes. in a church budget we say we're trying to reach people for christ but we're not we're not really thinking in terms of local missions or local Correct. evangelism and discipleship and the literature and the time and the secretarial focus or pastoral staff mm-hmm. focus that takes money to do all that plus mm-hmm. getting all the people in the church that will no, get involved right. involved and it's so it and if you just if you just look at that through I hate to do it this way actually this sounds mercenary but if you'll just look <laughs> at it through the yeah. lens of fruitfulness and productivity if you win and disciple a couple to the lord if you do that a second time you've probably paid once they are in the habit of giving regularly you have paid for any investment that you've made in that effort for a year does that make sense it makes a lot of sense and so i mean we don't do it to do that we do it out of obedience but but, yeah but what i do and and pastors and deacons and church leaders and treasurers i'll challenge this what bruce was saying was if you take your your missions budget your annual budget and you say okay we spend i'll just say fifty thousand dollars okay of the 50 how much is going to your jerusalem okay because they think they they mark it off we're supporting making disciples but your missions, I challenge, you know, try to keep ten percent at home. I don't mean, I don't mean to support a church in another state. I mean to where your church is evangelistic yeah. outreach to reach your community for Christ. Okay, so, and some of that's a time budget for oh, yeah. for oh, the church. Sure. You know, it's a it's okay, Pastor. It, you know, we appreciate you preaching two or three times a week, but if you're spending 30 hours of your work week doing that to the neglect of evangelism, yeah. discipleship, serious 
counseling and the people side of the ministry. I mean, I'll tell guys, I told them for years, I said, okay, study well, expound the scripture carefully. I'm sure. all for that. Study 20 hours a week and then get out of your office and get with people. However Absolutely. you're going to do it, get out of there. So it's not just money, it's time, and yeah. but it takes it takes both. It does. So, All right, lastly, number four. So yeah. again, four ways to change the way you think about church finances from my point of view. Sure. Okay. Yep. Last one be have a regular review of your books from an outside accountant. And what I mean by that, and, and I'll, I'll let you comment. All right, so the word audit, we understand the word audit changed greatly um, in, in the way the federal government uses that word audit years ago. So I would call it a financial review. Okay, so what I'm saying is I think every church um, – you need a, a, a local accountant that understands church finances. And it could be a treasure of a like-minded church, you know, a couple of towns away. But somebody to come in and just generally review your books every year to go through any um, questionable or just to review your practices. Right. Yep. Again, this is integrity because you're asking your people to give their tithes and offerings. So I think this is that this that that level that every pastor needs, every deacon needs, every treasurer needs, an outside set of eyes yeah. to give credibility to those giving their tithes yeah. and offerings. I totally agree. And the world of accounting is not a world that most pastors are that uh, nope. understanding of and know about, but they're the generally accepted accounting principles and systems and accountants to them this is just like you reading your bible they just do it every day they don't think it's safe but they are good at it and they understand so an audit is more formal it's more expensive it probably would not be a bad idea to have an actual audit say every five years or however how often the accounting firm would recommend a review is less technical but it is still a valid thing to do an audit, I think you have to actually have all of your receding and your business procedures in, in great shape, or they're not going to give you the write-off on an audit. But if you are if you're, have not had a good financial system, uh, a review would help you get started, and then they can tell you what you need to do, that down the road you could actually be fully audited. And this is a great safeguard for yourself as pastor, for your leadership, for your financial people. You need checks and balances. You need internal controls. Right. Uh, there's a book on internal controls that I used to recommend to our students by Richard Vargo. He also had a book on church budgeting. I think those books are getting a little old now, but V-A-R-G-O. Uh, if you go to the Church Law Today a website, Christian Ministries Resources, it's housed now by Christianity Today, this will be in the show notes, but there are voluminous yeah. uh, resources available. It's the best I know of on all different aspects of finances. So uh, I would really recommend that you get knowledgeable about that. I had the privilege for maybe 10 years to teach that little mini course to our junior ministerial students about personal and church finance. It's not everybody's thing, but it needs to be in place. And you're probably not going to ever go anywhere as a, as a church until you get that right because, I, I mean— Yes and no, but it. I think you make much more forward progress if people trust you and understand Absolutely. you're being very careful. Yeah, and I think again, as I, the way I view it, people are committing to your church and giving their tithes and offerings, and I want them to have. I, I, I want to be and to have integrity, but at the same time, I want them to have the confidence right. that the money is being carefully taken care of 
by by common sense practice uh, in the accounting world. So again, whether again an audit is pretty expensive, but I think the average church of a hundred can definitely afford a financial review. And even if you can't, you find a way to get it done. So would a review? Can we ballpark it? I mean, would it? Would you pay somebody a thousand dollars to do that? Yeah, or? I think between a thousand two thousand. Okay, and they would provide a a written summary. Yeah, and recommend recommendations for better accounting practices, whether it be with credit cards or counting or disbursements, you know, those two areas, receipts and disbursements, and I'd handle that in a good way. You know, our church, and I'm not, I don't pastor this church, but our church uh, has had some good people internally yeah. to do this, but mm-hmm. but we've actually farmed it out to uh, an accounting firm. Yes. And they, I think they're actually paying the bills. They're just, you pay them uh, whatever the fee is, and they just take care of it. And it saves, yep. saves a part of a staff person, yeah. perhaps, and, uh, and that's salary. another podcast, but you bring up a very good point. Payroll, you know, paying the bills, all that can be farmed out. So your office itself is not having to devote the manpower. And then there is automatically, I mean, somebody's got to approve it, but there is automatically. Right. Yeah. They, in other words, the re, oh, it's almost like the review is built into yep. the part of it the, is the accounting. Yep. They're going to actually yep. do it so, so well that, that that is your accountability. Absolutely. More than likely. On the outgo. Yeah, you right. still got to have the income yeah. squared away. Yeah. No, I think this is, you know, all right, so, very practical. So stuff. what we're going to do, we're going to take the books you recommended. They'll be in the show notes, okay, as well as, again, just think through four ways to change the way you think about church finances. And the key would be if you just could think financial plan instead of budget and then cast a vision. And I've seen it. I was told people will give to a vision. They may give to meet a budget but they really will give to meet a vision. And this is not about browbeating anybody. This is allowing people to be good stewards of the money God has given them. And as pastors, treasurers, deacons, we want to make sure we set that table so our church is doing all we can to make disciples, and that takes money, but at the same time to, be, to give a, a, a good account for that. So we, there's not a question later. Any anything else you want to add, Bruce? In closing, no. But if you'll just let me get a little commercial in here, we've got fifty three churches that are looking for pastors. Right, we're changing gears, though. Totally. We are, but I'm going to bootleg this in here, brother, because uh, we need like minded, good, conservative, godly pastoral candidates, not just people that are floating around aimlessly, of course, but like-minded with GFA and like-minded with the churches that we're serving. We've we got a lot of churches. I've got 83 churches total looking for pastors or pastoral staff. 53 are looking I for a pastor. I give that website. Uh, gfamissionsjobs.org. Please okay. forgive the URL. Jo- the ministry is not a mere job, but that's somebody chose that. And so gfamissionsjobs.org, or you can actually go to the general GFA missions website, gfamissions.org. Uh, look for church staffing. Church That'll staff. explain or, everything. Or you can Google but GFA, are, GFA missions, church staffing, right? You can do that. It'll get to you. Probably right? so. Yep, and, uh, you. Anyway, you can yep. find it and, uh, and Marsh, of course, is working hard on the interim pastor side. We love working yeah. together. We're having a great time, and we want to serve the churches. And so we're here to serve you. There's no we charge are. for our church staffing service and uh, or interim pastor service. As far All right, as so, goes. Just, I, so let's just park right there a minute so everybody understands. So if a church uses it, there's not a monthly subscription no, fee. No. And if a pastoral candidate uses it, uh, Bruce has set it up in a way, I mean, of course, in GFA too, that there's not a monthly a fee that they get billed. So no. this is a ministry that Bruce heads up. 
And I think anyone in our circles knows, uh, no one knows the American church and pastors kind of like Bruce McAllister. So it's, it's a great privilege to have him leading that ministry. So again, if you're uh, GFA missionsjobs.org, is that right, Bruce? Yep. Or just Google GFA church staffing. And, and of course, it's got Bruce's contact information there. It's got my contact information. And again, I want to thank GFA for all they do. I mean, we're sitting here this morning in a podcast room uh, due to GFA's desire to support the local church. So again, thank you for watching. Uh, thank you for listening. And uh, tune in to future research podcasts. Bruce, any closing words? Oh, thank you. All Good right, to be great. here. Thanks. You're listening to Rechurch, a podcast of Gospel Fellowship Association Missions. If you would like more information about our ministry or how we may assist you and your church, visit us at gfamissions.org/consulting.